0: life can be a messy business it can seem like an endless barrage of issues problems predicaments accidents emergencies disasters and catastrophes welcome to as we get older the podcast where we explore ideas advice and information to ready men for the road ahead no matter what it brings gentlemen start your mental engines let's get ready to talk about some things that just might help you get more control of your life Have a better now and build a better future. Oh, shit, spilled my coffee. Now, damn, that was hot. Here is your host, Bob Pissimere. Did I pronounce that right? Katie, darling, will you bring me a tea towel, please? My God, this is never coming out.
1: My next guest is a 10-year veteran of the United States Marine Corps and is an active volunteer firefighter and emergency medical technician. He holds a Master of Arts in mental health counseling, certifications in critical incident stress management, and is a certified trauma professional. He works with individuals, couples, and families, and is an expert on the topics of stress, trauma, and mental toughness. He also helps public safety agencies build strong support teams and trains personnel in peak performance and resiliency. He is dedicated to helping others improve their lives through education, insight, and change. He loves his family, music, he has three guitars martial arts, and his Harley motorcycle, which he has not had out in over three years. He's been working too hard. Please welcome Michael Soto. Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, Bob. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a real pleasure. Looking forward to today. Um, how, what brought you to Defining Moments? What got you there? Where
2: so, are you are Defining Moments, uh, when, um, when I was up in university, I had a, a, a fellow student um, and uh, we were older, uh, I think, in the program, when you kind of do mental health programs, I think the average age was probably about 30. And um, we uh, were in the same cohort. Um, so my colleague, uh, Julia, comes and says, hey, what do you think about this name for a practice? And she shows me defining moments. And I said, wow, I think that's that's absolutely awesome. She goes, yeah, I've had this for like five years you know, in my back pocket waiting to, you know, to, for this to come into fruition, how'd you like to do this with me? And I said, um, yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's have at it. So five years ago, we opened up um, our first practice. um, And then uh, we moved into this new building uh, about a year and a half ago. Nice. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then before that, um, where were you? What, uh, I know
2: you started in the Marine Corps, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I think, um, if I was to kind of unpack my resume, I'd be all over the place. So, yeah. um, if I go back, yeah. So I joined the Marine Corps back in 1990. Um, so I was in the Marine Corps for 10 years. Um, I became a first responder with EMS in New York, um, back in 1992. Um, and then, uh, In and out of everything from security jobs, I think the post office, um, Federal Express. um, uh, I was a welder for about five years. Wow. Uh, So a lot of people know about Orange County Choppers, right? Yeah. Um, show. I actually was a welder for the oldest son's company. Uh, They moved out of their location. Wow. Yeah. So, so you've been around. Uh, we've been around. Yeah, we've been around. Yeah. I think it, it, one of the things that it really has helped me is uh, be able to relate to so many people from like everywhere, um, yeah. from uh, the business side of the house, uh, professionals, blue collar, white collar, um, like you name it. It just feels like I've, I've kind of rubbed elbows with people everywhere. So it kind of works out pretty good with this job anyway.
1: Yeah. Great. Well, then you probably know too, having been around a little bit, and in the fire service and uh, the Marine Corps, that life can be a pretty messy business at times um, yeah. what What are you seeing from your practice and the people you talk to, what are you seeing that are the skills that are missing for men right now? What kind of thinking tools are they um, a little thin on right now that they might need a little more of
2: um, you know it's really it's really interesting because. Um, when I talk to a lot of the guys come here so so yes, uh, I forgot to mention I've been um in the fire service for the last eight years here uh as a volunteer in my community, and I do work a lot with first responders and I get a lot of guys in here and it's really interesting the 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 kind of dynamic that comes up because um we start thinking about like these roles of what it means to be uh a guy, what it means to fulfill some of these roles as first responders or as men um and some of the things that seem to um some of the places where i think that we kind of struggle the most where i see a lot of people struggling is is really unpacking the social piece to this whole thing so like so like when it comes to the physical piece it's almost like yeah you know it's like keeping ourselves fit, going to the gym, we kind of have like that mentality, um, learning and, and, and kind of giving ourselves to, uh, to learning new things and, and so on and so forth. But um, for whatever reason, men building relationships with other men that really are uh, you know, like connected seems to be an interesting con uh, like context, like women get together and they'll like form a group in two seconds. Um, if you're in a fire department, or if you're in something that has a real tight unit or a team environment, you kind of draw really close to, um, the guys that you're with there, you know, being in the service, Um, you know, that was something that I almost took for granted. I don't, I don't find that out here in, 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 you know, in civilian world. Um, and then when you start thinking about creating, um, social groups with other guys, that it doesn't seem that that's something that really comes easy for a lot of guys. Right. So if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it does. And, And why is that? I mean, what, what do you think's running that show about? Because I know what you mean having been in the fire service and, you, and you're at a station and you, get, you can get close to people. And mm-hmm. when I was there, there weren't any women, but now it's men and women. <laughs> and you, get, you have that um, um, colleague sort of bond of doing some difficult things and, and it brings you together. But I also know what you mean about outside of that. Um, it, why is that missing? Where, I mean, are men are afraid of something? Um, do they not have the sk- social skills, the emotional intelligence? Um, you know what what do you think behind that lack of camaraderie in in the regular
2: world kind of thing Well, um, so as crazy as it sounds, um, if I were to take a group of uh, five guys that I have in my head at the moment and and these are five guys from I want to say from like every walk of life. So it's like I'm just taking a small cluster of the people that I work with and I'm putting them in a room and saying these five guys maybe represent like what's what's our culture looking like. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that seems to resonate um, with all these people is um, a lack of understanding of I mean, it, it sounds crazy, but like, what does it mean to really be to be a guy across different roles. So like, if we think about like the nuclear family idea, we have, uh, you know, like back in the 1950s, women stay home, they take care of the kids, they're supposed to nurture the guys, the provider. And somewhere along the line, we got stuck on this idea of men are the providers, but we're not nurturers. So I'll have a lot of guys that don't really know how to unpack their role as father, because they don't really know how to unpack that role as nurturer. So they don't see the importance of their own worth within the context of the family. So, like, um, I remember having conversations with guys where they're like, um, "You know, hey, I'm I'm a brand new dad. I can't wait for 13 years to pass so I could finally do something." Because <laughs> this in between stuff really sucks. I,
1: yeah,
2: right. It's yeah. just like it's like here, hold the baby. I'm like, great uh now what yeah. give it back okay there you go and then that's it it's just like uh go to work and make sure you keep the provision coming uh because until they uh speak english you're not gonna have anything to do and i'm like work the supply no. train work the supply <laughs> yeah logistics that's right? like you a, you could almost think that that's where you're gonna get stuck like like what else is there now the crazy part and you know and, and i'm not trying to step on anybody's toes i just basically work a lot off of. uh Office statistics and, and, and things of this nature. But like, you know, there's like so many studies that really do show the importance of um, a father's role within the context of family and being able to teach children boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a balance between this uh, idea that um, how how do women or moms nurture their children and then the idea that dads don't nurture. And the idea is like, no, dads do nurture. It's just it looks different, right? Yeah. So whether it's the word nurture itself kind of jabs us in the side and takes away something of our masculinity. I mean like whatever it was. Yeah. Like vulnerability,
1: to, like oops, don't go. Yeah.
2: There. Yeah. That's well, that's a whole nother word right there. Yeah, we'll right? get to that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole nother uh, interesting piece when we unpack that. But but yeah, so um i'll get guys uh i have a client that was uh, a minor league he made it all the way to the minor leagues and um we would have a conversation and one of the first things that he would say is i don't feel like i know what it means to be to be a man and here's a guy that for all intent and purposes was um was very successful was very athletic um, you know, found his way into, um, you know, such a high place in, uh, in, in minor league baseball. And, um, he kind of, you know, sabotaged or self-destructed to, to whatever sense, because he, he didn't really have any identity outside of what it meant to play ball, right? Like that's it. That was his identity. So all the characteristics that he exuded was, well, what does it mean to be a major league baseball player and what's that role like? So what, it's almost, what am I
1: supposed to look like, act like? Yeah,
2: exactly, yeah. right? Um yeah. I remember uh you know, so it was interesting when I found out that I joined the Marine Corps and not my family. So um when I was uh <laughs> you know, raising my kids, I didn't realize that I wasn't supposed to be a drill instructor. Yeah. And uh my kids weren't supposed to be doing push-ups when they did something wrong, right? <laughs> so um, I mean I went in when I was seventeen, right? Yeah. Right. It's <laughs> I went in when I was 17. So uh-huh. I feel like I was really shaped a lot by that whole experience.
3: Sure.
2: Um, at the end of the day, I'm either feeding into what it means to be a, you know, a, a Marine. Um, I'm feeding into that whole role model. And then of course, it doesn't mix well with home life, right? It's just right. like It's, 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 it's not supposed to be that way.
3: Yeah. Huh. So identity is one of the things that I think, um, isn't identity
1: sort of really the, the whole set of bullshit stories we make up about ourselves in one sense and what we're, what we think we're supposed Mm -hmm. to do, you know, what, what others expect of us. And we make the whole thing up by and large. Mm -hmm. And then so we can can't we change that? I mean, how how do we how do we identify like what we're stuck in as an identity and then find a way into, you know, what's the one I really want? How do you do that one? Because that seems like a pretty good trick.
2: Um. So, interestingly enough, that's probably what we work on here more than anything, because so I guess this would be a good time to kind of talk about this idea of vulnerability. Right. Because. um. I'm not sure if you if we ever heard of uh, of uh, Brene Brown, but she came on the scene. She went viral on uh, TED Talks and she came up with uh, uh, a definition of vulnerability and she equated it to courage. Uh-huh. So she says, here's vulnerability and here's courage. And then she says, these are both the same. And then she defined what courage is and courage is taking off the mask to reveal the heart like this. This is these are her words. Uh-huh. Right. right. So now, when you're talking to me and you're saying um, we're having this conversation and we start talking about answering the question, who am I? And we start bringing up terms like firefighter, marine, a baseball player, a hockey player, whatever it is that we kind of construct in our mind about what that's supposed to be. And the answer is, what are you as a person? Um, what are you, what are your personal principles? Hmm. So the first thing, well, one of the first things that we start talking about is what are the core values that are very um, uh, intimate to who you are as a person, because that is you separate from anybody else. So if you really want to know who you are and what your identity is, we start going down to the basic building blocks of your mental and emotional place, which is, do you value things like honor, integrity, respect? Now, all of a sudden, here's a job that exudes a lot of that value. And then we kind of start migrating. That's why we become police officers. That's Uh, serving is in my DNA. That's why I joined the Marine Corps. Um, So we start trying to migrate towards these places that without us even knowing our core values are leading us places. So now imagine what happens when you have. So I always talk to my clients about um, awareness before acceptance. Mm. If you know and you're aware of what your core values are, literally, they will lead you to your purpose right the more you understand your own personal identity like who am i and and this is who i am these are my core values these are the things that make me say yes to this path and no to that path right does that make yeah.
1: sense yeah and that takes some think that takes some effort right it's not just a i'm just who i am and whatever sort of thing it's like no i got to get really dig peel the onion and dig down into this what has been Mm-hmm. Um, maybe operating unconsciously, you know, below the surface, and say, pull all that out, do that kind of work, and and that's not easy for a lot of people because they don't like, you know, men especially, right, vulnerability and all that. Yeah, yeah. So they really have to peel that out, and is that the kind mm-hmm. of work you do? And how and how to do you know you can do it with you? Can, how do you do it on your own? How do you sit and and start peeling that back and saying, this is who I really am?
2: Yeah. So. um, we always start talking about eventually i mean like it's it's interesting because um you know i'm a licensed mental health counselor i do um i do uh you know therapy or counseling as a profession um you know but that being said um i just basically look at myself as a person who's um uh, an options facilitator right i'm giving people options on how to get to wherever it is that they want to go by recognizing, you know, these are some of the obstacles that are in my way to achieving whatever I want. Okay, well, if I give you a tool and you pick up that tool and use it, you'll be able to get through that obstacle, right? But the first thing that we have to do is we really do have to understand what's the obstacle, right? So a lot of people come here and they'll say, this keeps happening. And I'll say, okay, um, let's figure out where that's coming from, right? Now all of a sudden we start just doing a little bit of digging, and we realize that. Um, so here's here's not it's not a clinical term, right? Mm-hmm. But we have some stinking thinking going on, right? Mm-hmm. We got some rotten rules in our head, yeah. and when we start undigging or, or digging up some of the stinking thinking, we'll see that the rotten tomatoes that we've been having in our in our back pocket are it's what's stinking up the place. Um, once we get rid of that, it's just like, oh, that's what that is. Oh, okay. So now to answer your question, um, I think that it takes even here, right? So I think in, um, in our culture, the idea of, uh, here's my air quotes, right? The idea of mental health um, is starting to become less stigmatized, mm-hmm. but you still need to be vulnerable enough to say, hey, I, I want... I want to, I want to know more. I want to understand more. Like you have to ask that question. You have to be at least curious enough to say, um, what's that? And you're pointing at yourself. Like what, what is that? What is it that I'm thinking that I want to kind of do or not do? We have to go there. If you don't even think that you want to go there, then.
1: Sit in the mud puddle and have a nice day.
2: Yeah. Right. It's just like, okay um, you know, yeah. it's like you can't complain about not going somewhere, yeah. but you're not doing anything with it. Right. Right. So, I mean, it is a process, but it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a difficult one. And I think that's one of the cool parts is that maybe a lot of people think that it, it is a difficult process, where it, it really doesn't have to be, but it definitely has to start somewhere. Um, and I would say that the, the real basic starting point is just asking the question, what do you want? Okay, what do you want? Yeah. What's important? Yeah, like right like like literally like what's um why why do I do that? What's that thing that I do and why 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 do I like the things that I like, right? Why is it that um when I see this something stirs up inside of me that makes me want to do something about that? Um, you know, when I when I experience um, you know, this thing um, something stirs up inside of me, right? Now this could be on both sides, right? This could be something that stirs up inside of me that says that's good. Or it could be something that stirs up inside of me that says, um, yeah, I don't like that, right? But if you could define it for yourself, you'll save yourself a lot of time because I think that's the difference between like, um, maybe if I would say like maturity and wisdom of of, of older older guys, and then like younger guys not really understanding this. So they waste a lot of time, right? Like they go out chasing after those things yeah. where we're like, no, I've been there before. Yeah. Not I don't want go to go. I'm, yeah. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Go ahead. You, you can go first. Go ahead. Yeah. Have fun. I've yeah. been there. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. I have family in, in New Zealand and lot of their, their common one has been there, done that.
2: Yeah. Right. So it's just, and that's just maturity and wisdom. You know, it's just right. like, but but it's interesting enough that if you if you took the pause, and you asked yourself, um, you know, like the the who am I question, peeled back a couple of the layers there, you'll already have answers to things that you're going to be way in front of other people that don't even ask that question. Hmm. So I always talk about this idea of me not me, and what that means is if you already know that this is something that is is you and that you like then you're going to be able to say yes to that faster. If you already know this is something that you're not even remotely interested in, then you're going to be able to be like, yeah, sorry, I, I appreciate the offer, but I'm, that's not going to work for me, right? So you can make decisions faster, right? Like that's just one way of looking at this.
1: And is that kind of a boundary thing, too? It's like, this is it's like, this is in the circle of trust, in my circle of interest and all that. Yeah. This other sort of stuff is like, nah, don't bother. It's out.
2: Yeah, right. absolutely. Um, so uh, I don't know how many different personality profiles there are out there, but just imagine that you learned, you know, we all have that one person that gets on our nerves, right? I mean, like literally, right? We, we all have like these people that we surround ourselves with and some one of these people right they there's not many of them but they just seem to get around a lot um it's just like that one person that you're just like Ugh, right um and if you really understood like what was it that is being triggered about whatever that person is causing right you'd be amazed at um you know what that little bit of information is telling you to be able to navigate so many other icebergs in your life yeah right yeah so yeah. I mean, does that make sense? Right. Like, here's a person. um, uh, Let's talk about careers for a second. If you like to work alone, if you don't like to work on a team, if you um, are not one of those people that like to take orders, don't join the military. Right. Don't (laughs) like like don't don't you know, join the fire service. Like, don't do it, right? Because right. guess what? You're going to have a miserable time. You're going to be around a whole bunch of people telling you a whole bunch of stuff of what to do. Yeah. Oh. Um, it's just like, why? Hey, why see would this? You do See that? this red hat?
1: Yeah, I'm telling you <laughs> with the yellow hat what to do. And I don't even have to do it in a nice way. Just go do it.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. It's just like, why would you do that? Yeah. So, just knowing like these real basic things about yourself is just like nah that's not going to be something i'm going to be good at it's just like Mm -hmm. that just calls me a lot of heartache i'll just leave that alone you know Mm -hmm. um does that make sense i mean is this kind of like yeah
1: yeah yeah well and it it seems to go back to um kind of the the cognitive behavior triangle of thoughts emotions feelings you know those those circle around a lot and and so understanding where the thoughts come from seems like one of the. Like, I think about what we're what we're talking about here is get a hold of those thoughts that are giving you the emotions, good or bad, right? That that say this is a positive for me. This over here is a negative. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I could it, expand th- on that. Yeah, thoughts, lot. emotions, behavior. So you got to get those sort of lined up and all pulling
2: the right yeah, direction. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Definitely. I mean, if I expand on that a little bit. So I'm going to add a couple more to that for you. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, it's the same thing. I'm using different words. So uh, circumstance, belief, attitude, behavior, result. A lot of people have heard of this combination. So um, belief is your thoughts, um, attitude, um, you know, is is basically like your emotions or your feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, So here's somebody that says, here's a result I'm looking for. And uh, I'll do something simple like, um, I, I don't know, uh, working out, gaining weight, losing weight, being able to bench press something. I don't know, whatever. And if A I very use guy that, sort of thing there. A very guy <laughs> a very sort very of thing, guy right, thing, right, exactly, right? <laughs> uh, if I kind of do this and I say, all right, so the result is that I want to be able to, like, bench press 1,000 pounds by the end of next month, right? Mm. Um, but we say, okay, here's, here's your program. I want you to follow the program. A week later, somebody comes back and I say, all right, how was it? And they say, well, it was all right for the first couple of days, but then I kind of fell off, you know, Mm. the last couple of days. And I'm like, "Okay, so so what's going on there? And the area that I always want to hone in on is the belief. Mm. And the reason being is because if I ask the question and funnel it down somewhere in their core, they don't believe that they can actually do it. So now their belief system, and this is what I would call the uh, stinking thinking, Mm -hmm. the belief system is not letting you get the result that you want, right? So if you really understood even how to use that tool, um, circumstance, there's only one thing you can do with the circumstance. Accept it. That's it. That's all we can do. If you do one of the other two things, you're going to be in a bad place. So what are the other two things? Denial or apathy. So denial is this is not happening to me. This is not happening to me. So if you're in a real bad place and the only thing you're thinking is this is not happening (laughs) to me, you're not moving, your result is gonna be very poor, right? So it's like if you kind of think about it that way. Um apathy is I don't care. Hmm. Ah, this is happening right now, and even though it's a bad situation, we kind of like we're almost resigned to just, I don't care. So, like, you're not in a really good way.
1: Yeah. Now, um, is circumstance also the past, like your childhood and that kind of thing. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It definitely can be. Right. Because that's where the belief system is built. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I I tell people, um, if you really accepted the circumstance, you'll be able to complete this, uh, you know, this triangle that you're talking about. You'll be able to complete this for success because Even if you have a quality that you're not happy about and you've accepted it, no one can hurt you with it, right? Hmm. So the example that I give is, um, let's just say somebody comes up to you, Bob, and say, hey, Bob, I really hate your blue hair. And you're like, blue hair? Uh, Okay, bud, uh, sure thing. And it's not even going to affect you because you already know the truth. You don't have blue hair. But now think about anything that someone says to you that may have a shred of truth of something that you, you do have in your, in your heart or in your person. So someone comes up to you and says, hey, Mike, um, you know, every once in a while, you can be pretty rude and arrogant. And then I stop and I think about it and I say, yeah, you're right. Thanks. <laughs> Got it. Really appreciate you for uh, for bringing that out. Right? It's like like what am I gonna (laughs) right? It's just like yeah. I Got so in other words, I could have turned around and be like, "You don't know what you're talking about. You're full of it." Blah blah blah. But that's because they hit that nerve, right? Because I didn't want to accept that about myself. Mm -hmm. But if I actually say, "Yeah, you know what? Every once in a while, I can be that way." Um, You know, what's next? Like, okay, what else you got? Yeah now all of a sudden we just disarm that whole thing. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah.
1: And, and it seems part of that too, is to say, I had an experience like that once when I was, um, racing sailboats and I was just getting started. So it, it's competition, it's guys, you know, and, and we're out there trying to win sailboat races. And I got pulled aside, um, one time after a race at, uh, by my best friend and the partner in the boat. And they said, um, Hey Bob, um, You know, we just wanted you to know that you're being a complete and utter asshole on the boat. Okay. (laughs) And my jaw dropped. I went, huh? Oh, yeah. You're an asshole. You know, you're yelling at people doing, being the typical, I don't you know, if anybody ever experiences that, you put a perfectly nice person out on a sailboat race and they can become an asshole. Wow. Okay. So I went, wow. You know, and I didn't do the defense. thing. these were people I trusted which yeah. to me is a big part of, you know, vulnerability. It's yeah, not, yeah. I, don't, I don't, I'm not buying the Brene Brown definition so much. I think there's too much other stuff that's involved in that. And I think it's, it's, I think she's kind of wrong essentially, but it big part of that is trust. Who are you going to trust to be vulnerable with? Sure. Yeah. And yeah, I went, yeah, yeah. okay, okay. You two guys are the people I trust in this. This is a friend. I'm the best friend from third grade, but now what? So, I, and again, it put that I want, like you say, something different. I'm going to intentionally make this a fun experience for everybody and let the other stuff, the, uh, did we win the boat race? Let it go. Mm-hmm. Did we have fun first? One, did everybody come back to the dock that we left with? That's always good. And then mm-hmm. did we have fun? Safety the first, the yeah. yep. The more fun we have, I'll bet you the better we do. And we ended up over the years being one of the best. Uh, most competitive boats in puget sound that works awesome yeah 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 yeah. so is that that isn't that part of the whole how you do this is you say you take it in and you got to run that around and not be instant yeah. put the arm up and say screw you that's not me yeah
3: yeah yeah you know and
1: yeah. that's that's a strength and an inner strength to say yeah all right i got to roll that around like you're saying okay you know and and i may never intend i didn't intend to be an asshole yeah con- I yeah. was doing it and I'm like well shit I don't want to be an asshole.
2: Right yeah. Yeah. And we do yeah, that. I mean and, and that's that just that piece um I mean I really I guess I would say that um I I really admire your friend for coming up to you and actually telling you uh, something about yourself that you would receive from him, mm-hmm. right? Like like I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be an ass by telling you this. I'm actually trying to love on you by telling, dude, you're you're kind of like you're going overboard right now, right? right. It's like right. You to kind of right. do something with that, which is what they so, wanted to do with me—is pitch me. <laughs> right yeah, <over> <laughs> <laughs> I could I could only imagine uh, uh, being, um, you know, being in that setting where everyone really does need to be in sync, working as a team. Right. I mean, I've never sailed boats, well, but. Um, like compet- competitively, like that, but um, I could only imagine that everyone really does have a job, and the synergy between you guys really needed to be there. Right,
1: right. It's like in the fire service, right? I mean, that's the same yeah. thing. And I was a firefighter at the time, and I kind of went, you know, yeah, I don't do this at work. Mm. It was a whole different new environment. I'd been trained for the first one for the fire service, which which I think is seems like key too. Again, we're back to those what are the skills? What are the tools recognizing mm-hmm. the problem and the right tool? You know, that's what the fire service gives you is I think most firefighters can fix anything, do almost anything, not because they've done it before, but they know mm-hmm. how to think about it. Right. And I got yep. in this other environment and was lost. Right. Right. So yeah. I got exactly. tense and angry and, you know, why aren't we doing better? Why isn't this going better than I thought it would be? Cause I hadn't mm-hmm. learned, learned, enough about it
2: yeah absolutely um i mean wholeheartedly uh going back i guess to the whole circumstance belief attitude behavior result in that very specific instance um this was the circumstance for you Mm -hmm. right whatever it was that the belief system was for you if i use that example um, interestingly enough, like you were you might have even been blind to it, but that yeah. that brought it out. Right. So what your behavior was and what your attitude was, was what everyone was seeing. And now you stopped. Really unpack that for yourself. I mean, I don't know how long that took you or if it was something that happened, you know, at that very moment. Um, Pretty you know, quick. Like,
1: Yeah. When your best friend and your partner go, hey, you know, it's like, okay, it's got to start changing right now.
2: Okay. Um, So, you know, good, good for you on that one. Um, Some people, it takes a little bit more time. uh, Good for you on that one. You would be able to change that one around really quickly. But yeah, so now all of a sudden, um, that's a perfect example because you literally accepted Um, what they were telling you is truth right if you didn't like let's say you were in denial about it that whole circumstance would have changed right because it it you wouldn't have been synergistically connected to everybody else in that crew who knows what would have happened in that race but the idea is that you turned around and said okay i believe this about myself and once you got to that point Everything else changed, including the result, right? Yep. And that's that's like when you when you mentioned earlier, like, hey, is there a tool or is there a way that people can peel back that onion? This is literally like circumstance, belief, attitude, behavior, result. If you're not getting the result you're looking for, whatever the circumstance is, what do you believe about it? That's literally a way to break this down. Um, in a In a very kind of like analytical slash you know like how do you get it out of your head and put it on paper so that you can actually do something with it that's a right. real simple tool okay. yeah great. absolutely great
1: yeah the other side of this is um when people tell you, Bobby you're being an asshole, what if i don't believe them uh, you know there is a we'll it's, it's sort of a i don't intend to send that message and then. You know the the meaning of my communication is in the response I get back. I don't intend it, you know, but it came out badly, and then mm-hmm. I get feedback. And what if the feedback's not right? You know, in other words, what what if it's the other person that's got the problem? How do you identify that one too? Because I think people go, well, it's not me, it's you. You know what I mean? And um, some of that's defensive, but mm-hmm. how do you know when it's not just your def- defenses coming up? And that, nah. yeah
2: and that's but that's a great question because that really does go back to what we started with so like for instance when i say when i say me not me right at this stage of the game if i'm interacting with whoever um multiple times a day and i'm not getting that response back Right. There's something about whatever the circumstances where no one's giving me this kind of feedback. I seem to be working well with others if I say it that way. And then someone says something to you. And well, I guess I guess I could say it in two ways. Um, when I when I work with people in terms of like managing a conflict, one of the things that I do try to ask is, when you're, when you're talking to somebody in any terms of a conflict, are you asking to defend yourself in the conflict or are you trying to learn about yourself by asking, is there anything here that I can take responsibility for? Hmm. Right? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. So, so be confident enough uh, in yourself to say, if they said something, maybe there is something. And, and do an evaluation. Don't just do autopilot, you know, yes or right. no. Right,
2: right, exactly. Look Vers- like, yeah, so like someone says, hey, Mike, you're, you're acting like an asshole. And, I, and, and defensively, I immediately say, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. You're, you're full of shit, right? Whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's basically what the disasters do, right? I named those the disasters. It's like they'll escalate that thing, and it'll go into places that you don't want it to go. But if we pause, especially especially if it's someone we trust, like you got your partner and your best friend coming up to you and they're trying to give you information about yourself, I mean, do yourself a favor, stop and listen, right? And the question is, um, is there anything here that I can take responsibility for? And I think what that does is just kind of just sets an attitude. Um, Because if the attitude is, I really want to improve, I really want to be a part of this team, then... You want to ask the right question, and the question is, "Hey, is there anything to this?" Yeah. If you turn that around and yeah. push it back in their face, then you know it's just like, "No, you know, f you." And, and now all of a sudden it goes somewhere. That's you know, we I think we can all kind of see it's it's really not helpful, right? Yeah. yeah. In, in
1: that aspect. So what you're describing to me sounds like. Personal responsibility and responsibility is the ability to respond. You know what I mean? Have, have that, <laughs> well like, like every good firefighter does, right? Respond. Yes, to well, well said. Yeah, yeah well said. So, so you have to sort of say, okay, take this in, chew it around, and say, now how do I respond? Yeah. That is a, a yeah. good, you know, response. Yeah. Now, now, here's a trick, though, I think that something that I've come across personally, and I know other um, men that have the same situation. Um, I've been married 30 years and I know my wife intimately. Um, not just, I mean, you know, what's, what's a lot of things going on in her head. And my experience of her sometimes, if I tried to relate that to a friend of hers, even a good friend that knows her real well, they would say, who the hell are you talking about? Mm. so what is it about in a marriage especially maybe a longer term one where you really get to know this person and, and and you're you know it's always different when you live with someone as opposed to you see them three times a year in the holidays or friends that come over once in a while and it's a whole different experience mm-hmm. so so how do you sort of deal with some of that and and um you know, and, and maybe this goes to part of your the the marriage counseling kind of thing that you do. How do you how do you get um, a spouse, uh, the the two of you, to sort of also do that personal responsibility to be able to respond better? Because it seems like in a marriage, it starts the the hands go up quick because I know you bang, uh-huh. you know, and and it starts to close off what you're really seeing in a way or what's really there you just get mm-hmm. so used to it, it's autopilot another bullshit right. thing, another crap more shit and right. it gets really frustrating how do you break you know what i mean have you seen people with that cycle or is it just me and a few of my friends
2: um <laughs> <You know>? yeah <laughs> um Which no could be. yeah we um so so i i call it the or, or it's called right not my term but like the idea of what's called a criticism defense cycle yeah So someone comes up with a criticism and then the other person wards that off uh, by either playing the victim or by criticizing back, right? Like adding it back. Right. Um, And interestingly enough, it's like we don't really learn the, excuse me, we don't really learn the skill per se of like how to constructively manage a conflict. So one of the things that I do try to work in um, very specifically is I found that it works better if I give someone like a a list of try to do this, this and this. Yeah, they can follow it, but something about it doesn't really sink in. Hmm. But when I say something along the lines of I want you to have this kind of an attitude when you're going into it, something about that sinks in deeper. So I'll say, "Okay, the masters of marriage, when they go into conflict, have this attitude. They basically want to understand What can I take responsibility for in this circumstance? Hmm. The disasters of marriage turn around and say, what is it that I can blame you for? Yeah. Right. I'm not going to take any responsibility for that. If I had to. Put it even further. A lot of people come into uh, a counseling scenario because they have they're having discord. Right. They're not really managing their conflicts well. So they're thinking, hey, if we just learn how to manage our conflicts, things are going to be better. When they come and sit here with me, um, I turn that whole thing around and say, no, I don't want you to jump like a frog from one lily pad to another lily pad. Conflict, conflict, (laughs) conflict, conflict. That's not going to do anything. The idea is that you want to build your friendship system because your friendship system is going to buffer you from the conflict. So if you actually wanted to think about how do I how do I do this and really make this last, the idea is to be more intentional about building a culture of appreciation within the relationship so that when a conflict comes and somebody flies off the handle puts the hand up, tells the other person to go F themselves or whatever. Later on, you can think to yourself and still say, I know that person really didn't mean it. (laughs) And then I can still come back and restore what happened. Well, if that friendship system is not there, there's no buffer to say, I know that person didn't mean it. As a matter of fact, we're thinking, bastard. (laughs) It's like they meant it. <laughs> they meant <Yeah>. that. <laughs> so there's nothing to buffer that whole cycle. So now all of a sudden I'm getting people and uh couples and I'm really trying to let them understand this concept. And I'm like, "Yes, I can teach you how to manage the conflict, but until you guys kind of go back to the idea that when you first started, you were friends." Yeah. Right, You were friends first. You
1: treat a friend different than you do your spouse of 30 years. There's more respect. There's more care. There's more kindness. There's more. And and that's the thing, right? You're just hit on something. Because when I see her operating with friends, it's like, well, how come you're not that nice to me? Yeah. Right. I'm the old, you know, yeah, bag of bones over here is still here. Yeah. Yeah, See, there he is. And yeah, with their friends, it's very, it's a whole different attitude. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And that's it. Right. So this is the scenario that I give my couples. I say, OK, let's just make pretend that you live wherever you live and you just install the white rug. And now all of a sudden you call your friends over and you serve them red wine and one of your friends knocks it over. And what do we immediately do? No, no. it's OK. No problem. It's okay. No problem. Let me get you another glass. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, imagine now it's just you and your wife and you knock the glass over. (laughs) I'll let you fill in the blank of what that's going to look like. But it's true. Right. At the end of the day, what I'm trying to really convey is the idea that. Marriages that really focus on friendship and holding and maintaining the friendship really do have this this. you know, the longevity and this buffer, right, to the, to the, to the conflicts when they come up, they really do buffer the conflict. So it doesn't become like this, um, you know, this wrecking ball that just came in and, you know, completely destroyed, um, you know, someone's uh, ego or or whatever. It just becomes this thing where it's just like, you know, what you said was, was really like, it really pissed me off. It really hurt me. I mean, like, I couldn't believe that you said that. But I still know that there's love between us, right? That's the piece that really buffers that, that, whole, that whole conflict piece. When I have couples here that have been together um, either a long time or a short time, what's been eroded is really the ability to kind of think back to that friendship system. Like they don't have that buffer anymore, right? They're really trying to jump from lily pad to lily pad managing one conflict putting out the next fire here's the next alarm here's the next fire here's the next mba it's like everything comes one right after the other Mm -hmm. and there's no buffer to say um you know i still think that this person loves me right like that's that's not there anymore
1: so does that happen too when people first get married then kids come along that's 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 an impact right that's a oh oh shit and they they lose that friendship (laughs) piece when they're trying to raise the kids and 78%. 78%. They start, yeah, they, they start to get into functional roles like you were talking about in separate. Yeah, yeah. Friendship
2: gets lost. Yeah, so 78% is the statistical number of couples that after they bring baby home, they lose satisfaction in their relationship. 78%. Eee. That's a lot. It is, right? So, so here's an interesting phenomenon, and I'll start doing the numbers. Mm-hmm. On average, it takes about five point something close to six years for a couple who's experiencing any type of, you know, uh, tension in the relationship to get help to begin with. Hmm. Now I start saying something like um, they've been married for five years and they have a baby and the baby is now five years old. They come to see me 10 years later. Well, that's because the original five years, they were really in trouble, but then they stopped focusing on themselves so they can focus on the baby. Well, the problem is still here. It didn't yeah. go away. You just put it on hold because instead of the husband and wife hat, you decided to put on the father and mother hat, yeah. and then you yeah. kind of put that away. Well, now that baby is a little bit more self-sufficient, those problems came back out again, uh-huh. right? Yeah. So those numbers seem to like pop up all the time um and children they don't if you don't have the system in place to begin with children don't help that process because now you have to split yourself between husband and wife roles Hmm. mother and father roles and in our culture so i'm going to say this because um i always get a lot of flack for it but it is what it is the husband and the wife are the family. The kids are the add-ons.
3: They leave. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. They leave. They come The real family. Right. They leave. They're supposed to leave. Mm-hmm. The husband and wife are the family. The kids are the add-ons, right? So if people kind of think about this. What do I get in here in terms of like thinking and perception? Oh, we have kids now. They're the priority. Now, obviously, they're completely dependent on you. I'm not saying that they're you know that they're not priority, except that what you're going to be teaching them about relationships is gonna be based on how they see you interact with your husband, and your wife. Mm. So if you interact as a husband and a wife towards each other in a way that looks like you're making each other a priority. That's what you're teaching your children, not the other way around.
1: Not, not that all right. oh, these fires to put
2: out are the priority. Right. But the, Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that's like a little light bulb for a lot of my clients when they come in here. And I'm like, if I can tell this to everybody, when you get married, you're the family. You are the family. Then you have kids and somewhere along the line, we're like, OK, we're 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 not here anymore. Now, all of a sudden, it's like. I'm, I'm mom, you're dad. And we have to work those roles. Mm -hmm. And then going back to the beginning of our conversation, well, I don't get to be dad until they're 13. So I guess you're mom for the first 13. Good luck with that. (laughs) Right? Yeah. So like, so now I get the dads like, well, she's always doing the stuff with the kids, and and like I'm back here, and I don't know what to do. So, yeah. of course, we've separated. We, we're not doing things together anymore because she's mm-hmm. she's busy being mom. What am I supposed to do? Yeah. I gotta wait. Thirteen years is a long time. <laughs> yeah, the guys get the feeling like yeah, I'm 15th on the list of priorities. You know? Yeah. Right. And yeah. and that's and then all of a sudden the wife comes and she's like. We don't talk anymore. And, and he's like, yeah, because that's, you know, like, like the priorities changed, right? Yeah, Without blaming, yeah. whether it's an unconscious or a conscious thing, in our head, from a very cultural perspective, the, the priority changed. The kids became the priority. And I'm like, okay, it's not that they're not a priority. They absolutely need you. You can't put the husband and wife caps And hang them up, put them in a box inside of a plastic Pelican case with a timer that says open up in 25 years when the kids are gone. Right. Like it's not going to work out that way. It just doesn't. Right. So um, if 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 I can give anyone any paradigm shift. Right. It's just that husband and wife is always husband and wife. You're the family, the kids are the add ons and you still have to maintain your relationship as the priority. Right, like that would be like a gold nugget, yeah
1: yeah, that's, and again, that's a thinking tool, it's how you think about it, yeah, yeah, you know that that yeah. makes it all the all the difference, yeah, yeah, of course then then too, when the kids leave finally, and then yeah. they come back and and now it's almost like do over, who are
2: you i don't I don't know you, yeah, I don't know who you are, right. And and here's yeah, the you, you know
1: the role. I yeah, know, I know, mommy, right? But not you, my wife, or you, my husband.
2: Yeah, yeah. As a I, person, I get as that. a friend, not not as a in a role. When in relation, so there's two kind of relationships. If I kind of put it in this context, the ones that end early, and the ones that end later. If, if I say two kind of bad relationships, if I kind of put it, I don't even want to use that term, but like the idea is that I get couples in here that are basically either early and I'll, when I say early, let's just say married less than 10 years, mm-hmm. seven, six years. And then I got the ones that are married, you know, somewhere over 10, 15 to the 20th range. Mm-hmm. Now, It's a really interesting case when I use that number 15, because what ends up happening is the ones that are a little bit more vocal about how their needs are not being met, but they don't know how to fix it because they don't have the tools, they're more vocal about it. They seem to end earlier. Hmm. They're complaining about it. They're letting each other know what's wrong, but... They're also like stepping on each other's triggers. They're they're kind of like they're they're bulldozing through issues and not really having the tools of how to manage that. So they kind of finish a little bit earlier, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. That that's right. like really is a I don't have the tools, so yeah, I can't fix right. it and I just walk away. I mean
2: right. right. Now the other ones are the ones that have been married for fifteen, you know, twenty years, but they don't communicate as often because they're a little bit more passive or passive aggressive. They don't really have that communication and they're so quiet that they don't vocalize their needs. But 15 years later, um, interestingly enough, especially when the children's become, when their children become teenagers and they become more self-sufficient, the parenting role decreases. Mm. Yeah. And now, they don't know what the 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 wife and the husband role looks like anymore because they're not friends Ah, yeah so now literally it becomes who are you why are we even together we've lost our way we have no purpose and that's when the crisis hits for uh, for the for the for the couple where the communication is different and, and it's it's later into that game right Does that make sense? What I'm saying, right? It's like yeah.
1: Does that does that coincide with midlife crisis period as well? When men are trying to do this shift from now I'm getting older as well, and only you know the clock's ticking, and uh, shit, I got to get on it.
2: It it could, it could, yeah, it definitely could. I mean, like you know, so um, you know, so I'll throw the stereotype out there, right? It's like I'm Puerto Rican, so I started my family really early. (laughs) I have grandchildren already. Wow. (laughs) So. So it's all good. Um, If if we're thinking about like this idea of midlife crisis in terms of purpose, it's like here you gave yourself over to doing something that gave you purpose for such a long period. And whether it was a job, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't want to call it a midlife crisis, but like especially working with first responders, there's so much that we give Of ourselves to the job, in terms of persona, that if if I get a first responder and they're close to retirement and they don't have a plan, bells and whistles are going off. Like you need a plan. Now I can say everyone needs a plan, but I'm specifically talking to first responders in terms of people that are on the job, uh, people that are in the military, transitioning from military life to civilian life. Once you've been in the military for a while, it's probably one of those traumatic things—the most traumatic thing that can be happening to you, mm-hmm. because your world is about to get flipped upside down, right? right? Yeah. So, um, a little—I guess that's just a little sidebar on the whole midlife crisis thing. But basically, what we're talking about is almost like a crisis of purpose, where we're trying to figure out who am I mm-hmm. after we've invested so much time in something that has brought us purpose in our life, right? If I If I say it that way, like, what do you, what do you think?
1: Yeah. And, and it's, it's a purpose. The purpose is the children and, and it's lost the, you know, there's, there's no purpose of, I got a friend here. It's not a friend. I got a coworker,
2: right.
0: (laughs) You know, in this
1: job of raising the children and that gives me lots of purpose. But then, yeah, now when they're gone, what, when the fire service ends or whatever, the the thing that gave you that, and now you got to go back inside again and say, okay,
2: now what now i need to yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, you know retool rethink retool
2: yeah 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 and and that's the piece where um um you know people think that purpose is uh static in in a sense mm-hmm. purpose is not static purpose is actually dynamic because at this point you can say that um at you know 20 your purpose is to get an education um and and i don't really Use that term as in, uh, you know, a brick building with a college degree. I'm, I'm talking about like at 20, your purpose may be to learn your craft. At 25, your purpose now, after you've kind of decided this is the craft that I'm getting into, is to really hone the skill within the context of your craft. Later is where you're teaching others about whatever that is. So you're pouring back out what it was that you learned. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, your purpose has changed throughout that process. And And the tools change with it. And the the, tools have changed. Yeah. Yeah. So it's always dynamic, right? Mm -hmm. It's never really a static thing. So when someone comes up to me and they say something like, I think I missed my calling. And I said, at what age? (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a paradigm shift. Like, um, you know, you think that your calling was a static thing and it could be true where you say, um, you know, like I'll get guys in here saying, yeah, I I really wanted to join the military when I was 20, you know, whatever. Um, I think I missed my calling and then I'll say, okay, so that was your calling for that time in history. What's your calling today? Because even if you were in at 20, it's 20 years later. Like, what's your calling now is going to be different even if you did serve, right? So, like, we have to constantly be checking in with that. Like, what's what's my purpose now? Yeah. Um, so, we could always loop back the idea of... Um, your principles change from twenty to when you're twenty years later. Hmm. you don't have the same principles that are pr- so uh, i guess to 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 clarify if respect integrity honor service caring family have always been your principles when you were twenty it's not that they're different when you're forty or or older it's just that You're not focusing on integrity because you've honed that for yourself in a way that you can count on it. It's not something that you have to kind of think, if I do this, am I am I practicing integrity? Like you're not thinking about it because it's part of your personality and temperament. So you kind of like fix that in already. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. You know how to use that tool. Second, it's like driving. It's like I can do this, you know. Yeah, exactly.
2: Exactly. Exactly. So now later on, if you kind of think, well, I've always um, and I'm just giving examples to hopefully uh, make this a little bit more uh, uh, operational or a little bit more like understandable because these are mental constructs. Right. Right. If you're looking at um, this tool of or this value of integrity at 20 and you've lived this lifestyle that has brought you to where you are today and now at this juncture you're thinking to yourself i have to learn how to lead mm-hmm. well now it's not just me now i'm looking at at others so now i have to hone a different skill because i have to pour what i know into somebody else so now my new value is teaching I love to teach, right? I love to pour out. And now I'm thinking to myself, here's the new learning curve. How do I teach better? How do I communicate better? How do I do this better for this time in my life? Right. New
1: tools, retools. More tools. Yeah. Yeah. So then, yeah. then this is this is like, um, you know, I read, um uh reading Seasons of a Man's Life, which was the basis of. Forgot the name of the book now but um um passages men's passages oh jim Rohn. no uh she gail Sheehy. oh okay okay um i think that's how you pronounce the last name but that's that too is part of it sounds like it's the in these different phases or seasons you know in the 20s 30s you could just to give them a you know nice (laughs) decimal sort of deal Yeah, yeah. It's going to change. Um, I tried to get in the Marine Corps when I was 17. Parents said, no, when you're 18, you can do what you want, but we're not signing the papers. Um, Things changed. I didn't go in, but I went in the fire service. I started as a volunteer. Right. It's a different, you know, similar um, purpose, but different Context or place. You, you keep doing yeah, yeah. that over time. Then, then at the you, know, you get start getting, I think, around the 50 mark, and people start to go well, a little bit. What you're talking about is purpose. Has my life been had purpose? Mm-hmm. Is my life meaningful? Will it be from here out? And how do, and if it doesn't look so hot, how do I retool, change things, and, and bring purpose and meaning into my life? It seems that in the in the beginning, maybe we're more focused on happiness, and at some point it starts to fall over into more meaning
2: meaning is the key what do you think um so Victor Frankel would agree with you nah. <laughs> yeah right um so man search for meaning right at the end of the day uh i'm I'm gonna butcher his quote, I guess, but the idea is that. Um, You don't search for happiness. You search for purpose because when you find your purpose, you will be happy. Yeah. Um, So when we think of the word happiness, there's two meanings to it. Um, And we've kind of adopted one and forgotten about the other um, from like the, the, the foundation. So um, happiness comes from two different words um one word meaning um hedonism like hedone is the root which is trying to find something that makes me happy happy of self uh through materialistic things if i say it that way like that's where we get the word hedonism right like self self self-pleasuring then there's another one um and, you know, I'll just I'll, I'll throw the word out there, but it's called eudaimonia, which basically means um, finding happiness through righteous moral living.
1: Now, we into the Latin here. Is that
2: where you're coming? Bringing yeah, it? yeah. Okay. Exa- yeah. Gotcha. So my I'm sorry. I know I can kind of geek out every once in no, a while. No, That's great.
1: I just figured everybody else wanted to know. This is Latin.
2: Right? Yeah. So that's the idea is that mm-hmm. the root of this word happiness. So when you start thinking, hey, I really want to be happy, we start thinking um, in our culture, you know, I'm not. I'm not pinning this on someone if they're not thinking this way. Um, but I think we can probably agree in terms of like a very materialistic culture. Um, I'll be happier when I get the new car, new house, uh, you know, bigger, bad, or better, whatever. It's all about me. Yeah. Versus um, a lot of times, true purpose really is in the service of others, if I kind of say it that way. Yeah. So if I control my life to be able to pour it out in the service of others, I will feel like I am, um, uh, I'm happy because I'm doing something that is connecting with everything else around me. Right? Like I'm not just looking at me, 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 me. And then all the material stuff runs out and I still feel void. Now, all of a sudden I get to turn back and I get to remember, I mean, I'm I'm sure this has happened in your in your career. Um and this is a an exemplary way of how this kind of comes back to you. Um I got invited to uh a friend's um uh, dinner party. And it was like um it was like a a wine uh you know uh tasting slash, you know, dinner party. The guy's a chef. He wanted to kind of show us his culinary skills. Um, and it was a real nice event. And, you know, he invited people from his his circle, people I knew, people I didn't know. All of a sudden, this one lady comes up to me and she says, um, you're Michael Soto. And I'm like, OK, well, yes, I am. <laughs> I didn't know who she was. And she goes, you saved my life. And I'm not sharing this to brag. I'm sharing this because I didn't remember this person. Wow. I didn't remember this person because you go on so many calls. I'm oblivious. I I did not remember this person. She goes, "Um, I was having a heart attack. And this is when you came in and then she gave me the details of that call from head to toe. Yeah. And um, (laughs) somewhere along the line, I affected this woman's life. That to her, I'm a thread in her life in a way that she sees it. But to me, she's a thread in my life that I didn't even realize was there. Yeah. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So when I kind of think back and say, you know, I know that I've affected, I know that I have fulfilled my purpose and I'm still fulfilling my purpose because of the choices that I've made. All I have to do is just look back and see how I've affected the people that I've connected with.
3: Hmm.
2: I don't know how many people can actually say that and believe it. Does that, does that make yeah. sense? Like, you yeah. really
1: know it. Yeah. You really need to look back and say, what are the relationships, the interactions, the engagements with other people, not how many cars, the type of car, the house, the boats, the yeah the stuff, you know, it really is more of that. How have I engaged with people and the world in some positive ways, which doesn't I, have I to be can, find the yeah. cure for cancer, right? It can be, some and, and like you, you just go out, you do your job, you thump on people, they come back and you go, Cool, it worked. You know, that's get out it. the paddles and go, Boom, and go, Yeah, they were dead. Now they're alive. Cool, that's
2: what we exactly. did. See you later. Bye. Exactly. Right. I mean, I, I hope I didn't take us somewhere like too far off because it's no, no, like no, no. It's, as, as soon as we start talking about like purpose, like one of the things that really does come up is um, I, I get a lot of guys who are younger thinking that they have to do this on their own Mm -hmm. and the part the two pieces that i find myself always trying to pour back out is it's number one part of your purpose is learning how to ask for help Mm -hmm. and the second part is knowing that you're really doing whatever you're doing in the service of others. So it's almost like, how do we balance that off between these two things? Um, There's something very uh intentional about this social piece. We can't undercut this social piece because people are affecting our lives as much as we're affecting their lives. So we can't just take that piece out, carve it to the side and say, no i'm going to make my millions sitting here by myself alone at my laptop completely devoid of everybody else yeah. like does that make sense yeah. like well like no how- trying to do that
1: doesn't make sense but i do get that people try start yeah they go down that yeah and again yeah. isn't isn't that again back to when you're starting out in life you know you sort of get into this about 20 early twenties to maybe early to mid thirties is that, um, struggling to find your way in, in the mechanics of the world kind of thing. Um, and find the other side of it too, is who do I want for friends? Sure. And, and for sure. help and for, yeah. And, and realizing that, you know, the, they start to realize, wow, there's a lot to learn about life, about, you know, my yeah. world other people's worlds and the world yeah 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 yeah, yeah. what do you th- what do you think are the tools um, cuz we're getting close to uh, about an hour here but what do you think are the the most important tools for men that are in that stage that are in that coming into to realizing oh you know <laughs> the world's a uh, more complicated and and uh um what what are the tools I need to be able to handle myself better?
2: Um if
1: I had to you know like, the thinking tools, right? The...
2: Yeah. If I ha- it's it's interesting because um uh I think back in nineteen ninety-five, uh what's his name? Daniel Goldman came out with the book on emotional intelligence, right? And uh the other day I was listening to um, I think it was, um, it was either a podcast or just a clip of a podcast of, uh, what's, what's his name? Boy, boy Um, hmm. I, I can't remember. He's, he's a real popular guy on, uh, he's, he's actually a, a really popular guy. I can't remember his name right now, but, um, basically he comes out and he says the biggest commodity in, in our more, um, in our future, like, like from now moving forward is going to be this thing called emotional intelligence. Mm. You, so people that have higher EQ, emotional intelligence, do better than people that have higher IQ. So when you ask the question, I really want to phrase this in a, in a way that's really pragmatic because I'm all about giving people tools. So what is emotional intelligence in terms of measurable results and it's simply four things um how you manage yourself uh, sorry sorry being aware of yourself being able to manage yourself being aware of others being able to manage others that's it mm-hmm. that's that's emotional intelligence mm-hmm. so when you say what tools do we need the answer for me would automatically go to how can you effectively be more aware of yourself and the things that are you versus not you? And then how does that relate to your self-management? So like, um, if you know that you're a person that has a short temper, well, guess what? Awareness before acceptance. If your temper is shitty, then you know where you need to start working. Right. Right. You need to learn how to how to manage yourself to be able to interact with others in a way that's going to be successful. Um, The other side of that is. um, Going back to the to the, you know, competitive sailing thing, it's if you um, have somebody come up to you and tell you something about yourself because you're not aware of you in context to everybody else. Well, you have to have awareness of yourself. You also have to have awareness of everybody else. So like somewhere along the line, that was a blind spot. I wasn't aware of what was going on in terms of how everybody else was perceiving me. Mm -hmm. So we have to have that awareness. Right. And then, of course, how are we going to manage that? Now, the cool part was that your best friend, your partner comes up to you and says, hey, Bob, X, Y and Z. Bob says, ha, ha okay, so they brought it to your awareness. You managed yourself, even though you weren't aware of it in context to everybody else. And then you adjusted immediately to manage it in terms of the entire team, right? Yeah. So if I were to give anyone a way to operationalize, how do I start improving um, my, my life myself? I would say, well, here's four quadrants. If you can give yourself a way to kind of analyze where you are in these four quadrants, now you can give yourself a way to say, this is where I need to improve in these areas. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Does that help? Yep.
3: Yep.
1: Yeah. It gives a, a framework and direction yeah. for people to start.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's an ongoing process, right? So it really never does finish.
1: Right. Well, and that's, that's the thing with life isn't it, too, that, that, That's why they say be a lifelong learner. Well, start with your own, what's in your head, learn that, and then you can work your way out.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay. Is there anything we haven't talked about that maybe we should have this first time around that you think we've missed (laughs) today? Uh, We're going to have to do this again because I really enjoyed chatting with you, and and there's so many (laughs) other topics that we didn't even... Uh, have a chance to talk
2: yeah we didn't even touch yeah um you know what i would love to kind of get on board with it's it's one of the um um it's one of the things that's kind of near and dear to my heart is uh maybe talking about um you know resiliency Mm -hmm. um and and this idea of like resiliency and mental toughness uh um you know i think that culture has a certain spin on that and Um, if I subdivide culture into male and female um, you know I may even say that uh, guys have a different spin on the idea of resiliency than than what women may have Um, but you know in the future if we ever want to unpack that idea I think that's a pretty broad topic that would be helpful for anybody
1: that would be great that and I want to come back to the word vulnerable vulnerability yeah we that's can a whole nother impact. one we can because here's the, the man view of what that is the woman yeah, view of what that is right resolve yeah. that one and yeah we can
2: definitely unpack that no problem most yeah. definitely
1: yeah we'll save that for the next one
2: yeah sounds like a plan
1: all right this has been really enjoyable michael thank you very much
2: thank you i am honored um i had such a great time here brother it was really really pleasurable thanks a lot thank you
1: brother Appreciate
0: it. All done, Bobby? Yep. Thank you for listening to the As We Get Older podcast. If you have any questions for our guest today, you can send an email to info at aswegetolder.net and Bob will forward that on. You can subscribe to the podcast and connect with us and the other two gents trying to figure life out at aswegetolder.net. Remember, if you learn a little more, you can live a whole lot better. Thanks for listening shit, I did it again. fuck a roll.
3: Well, this sucks.